This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit atlantahomesguru.com forward slash radio. following several terror attacks this morning, starting with terrorists murdered in an attack on a beachfront resort in Tunisia. Gruesome details are emerging. One man has been beheaded. Ports say an Islamist flag was found at the scene. We also have something going on in Kuwait. ISIS claiming responsibility this morning for a deadly explosion at a Shia mosque in Kuwait City. There are multiple casualties there. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. Why does it take 21 pages to explain what four words mean? That is almost tyrannical power. Good morning, it's 904 News Radio 1067. Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, definitely, geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi, so thrilled, delighted, and honored that you're part of the conversation, that you're inviting me to be part of your conversation. The phone number is 844-404-1067. Why do I say that I'm a known enemy of the jihad? Well, those uh, cars circling my house when I lived in Washington, D.C., and pointed out Islam's problem with terrorism, a unique problem with terror that no other religion shares, in my opinion. That's kind of one reason why getting chased out of a job by the Council of Angry Islamic Ra- uh, Council of American Islamic. Re- I always get that wrong. C A I R Council of Angry Islamic Radical. No, American Islamic Relations. That's it. That's part part of it. Uh, but once again, I could be totally wrong. I'm like you. You know, I wake up every day, you know, try to get ready for work, to make sure my family can eat. I mean, the bills are paid and try to figure out how the world works. It's not, you know, nothing crazy or fancy. And uh, I look at the world and it makes absolutely no sense. I, here is the sentence you need to keep in mind. And it's on my uh, blog. Go to michaelgraham.com and click on the blog. And right there, along with where you sign up for tomorrow's cooking demonstration, which, by the way, is I mean, we are really close to fill, to full. I very, very close. We are there's room for about forty people. We've got thirty some already signed up, and you always have walk-ins. So please, if you're planning on walking in tomorrow at the cooking demonstration at Howard Payne Company, noon to two, love to see you. We're gonna have a blast, but please register because we're a pig and chick barbecue is gonna be there. Some tips on how to grill, mistakes you make when you're trying to barbecue, and we're all gonna eat some of it. So but I want to make sure they bring enough from uh, from pig and chicken. So please, uh, michaelgraham.com and go to the my little blog or go to the events page at News Radio 106.7 because we were right at capacity for this thing. Anyway, um, also on my blog, along with that, you know, that event, is a posting from this morning, making sure that you understand how the world works. And this is how the world works, I'm told, because I watch MSNBC and CNN and I read the New York Times and the AJC. Here's how the world works. 5,000 guys waving the flag of the Islamic State as they cut off people's heads and blow up buildings and murder children while shouting Allahu Akbar. All of that under the flag of ISIS? Nothing to do with Islam. 
is in no way an indictment of Islam. No connection to Muslims. No Muslim in the world needs to apologize for what happened under the ISIS flag today at an American-owned factory in Paris when a guy had his head cut off, covered with Muslim messages, and stuck on a fence post outside the factory. That has nothing to do with Islam. No connection whatsoever. No Muslim owes a single apology for that because it does not indict Islam in any way. But one dopey 21-year-old loser posts a Confederate flag on a website one time, then goes to Charleston and commits a terrorist act in the name of white supremacy. Everybody in America owes an apology. Oh, excuse me. Every white person in America owes an apology. Every Southerner is guilty. One guy, one flag. It is a complete indictment of all America. It proves that America is a racist country. It proves that we're all segregationists because of one guy. But a gazillion guys screaming Allahu Akbar, no connection whatsoever to Islam. That's the world that we live in. You need to know that. And what I need, because I'm, I'm slow on the uptake. I'm not the smartest, you know, smartest guy around. When I play, you know, Jeopardy at home, I have to cheat and use Google. So I'm not, oh, come on, like you've never done that. Um, I need you to explain to me how it is that Dylan Roof, who complained that he couldn't find other white supremacists to support him, who complained that there were no KKK members or skinheads in South Carolina. I just need to explain to me, those of you on the left, how he proves that America is an entire racist nation, but this has absolutely nothing to do with Islam. We have the attack in France. We have Tunisia. We also have something going on in Kuwait. ISIS claiming responsibility this morning for a deadly explosion at a Shia mosque in Kuwait City. There are multiple casualties there. A terrorist detonated a suicide belt inside the mosque, killing several people and wounding dozens. But it had nothing to do with Islam. None whatsoever. This has nothing to do with Islam. We're following several terror attacks this morning, starting with terrorists murdered in an attack on a beachfront resort in Tunisia. Reuters reports at least 27 people have been killed. Security forces right now exchanging fire with the attackers. Well, yes, the number keeps rising. Uh, at first it was seven, then 19. Now Reuters news agency reporting that 27 murdered on a beach in Susa, which is a, a resort beach town in Tunisia. Eyewitness reports coming from various news agencies uh, saying that people were barricading themselves inside uh, their bathrooms, um, inside their hotel rooms, hearing rapid exchanges of gunfire. It is still a fluid, evolving situation. So Muslims blow up a mosque that has nothing to do with Islam. Muslims attack a hotel on a beach in Tunisia that has nothing to do with Islam. And whatever you say, this attack absolutely has less than zero to do with the religion of peace. Terrorist attack is our breaking news. It is a terrorist attack at a factory, we're told, in southeastern France near Lyon. Gruesome details are emerging. One man has been beheaded. Several other people are injured. Reports say an Islamist flag was found at the scene. The prime suspect is in custody, while the interior minister says that that man is being investigated for possible radicalization. Other accomplices also have been detained. We know that President Obama has been briefed following revelations that that factory is run by an American company based out of Pennsylvania called Air Products. That 
seen decapitated ISIS flag, uh, Arabic messages has nothing to do with Islam. And I know it has nothing to do with Islam. It doesn't matter because no matter what happens in the name of Islam, it has nothing to do with Islam. Zokar Zarnaev gave a statement yesterday in court where he said repeatedly, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. I am a Muslim. I am here in the name of Allah. I uh, performed a mission in the name of Allah. And what was the response from the mainstream media? What we got from him was, of course, a, some, a pretty full apology, if you look at it on the face of it. But he gave no justification or explanation, let's say, for, for what he'd done. He didn't tell them why he and his brother had planted those two bombs. Why? We have no idea why. Even as the guy's shouting, Allahu Akbar. Here is the U.S. attorney talking about... I blew up a backpack in the name of my religion and scrawled messages about my religion as I was bleeding, thinking I was bleeding to death. And I stood up in court and said, Allahu Akbar. And here is the U.S. attorney's response. I don't want to venture a personal opinion on this, but in general, what I was struck more was by what he didn't say. He didn't renounce terrorism. He didn't renounce violent extremism. And he couched his comments in line with Allah and Allah's views, which give it a religious tone. And there was nothing, as you heard Judge O'Toole say in the courtroom, there was nothing about this crime that was Islam-associated. That's what I was struck by more. So there you go. So that's what I'm trying to figure out at 844-404-1067. How can it be that one guy with one flag and one terror attack, and it was a terror attack, indicts an entire nation, an entire region, but... Three terrorist attacks today. Just all those stories, Kuwait, et cetera. We're going to get an update from the newsroom here in just a couple minutes. That's all today. One day. And it has nothing to do with the ideology that the killers espouse. Can you make that make sense to me? 844-404-1067. Michael Graham now. And the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 919. Oh, yeah. Michael Graham coming up later in the show. Should college kids underage drinking go to jail for it or just get a ticket? I say a ticket, but there's breaking news all morning long. Not one, not two, but three attacks, apparently all terror attacks, apparently all committed by Muslim terrorists. Pete Combs is from the newsroom. Pete, update us on what we know about the uh, breaking news this morning. Well, the three attacks occurred in three different continents. In Kuwait, we have what appears to be a suicide vest attack on a mosque. This is a Shiite mosque. We're going to assume that this is Islamic state sure. terrorism because they've claimed responsibility for it. They are, of course, a Sunni sect right. and those two sects. So it makes, so it makes sense. Yeah. Not only do they take credit for it, but it's also the fight they've been having. Absolutely. Okay, this is great. the ongoing fight okay, Do there. we have any numbers on deaths? No, Friday we really is, don't. Friday is, of course, the day of worship. So right. if you want to kill the maximum number of people... You do it on Friday. And, and that's this happened, in Kuwait. Yeah. And Kuwait City, actually, right. in the capital. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Yeah. And it's a small place. I've actually been to Kuwait City. Oh. It's a small place. It's incredibly hot. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, people were at the beach at midnight. Because oh, wow. it was the only time of day that it was cool enough to go outside yeah. and at the beach. So that's a very small place to have a major mosque attack. Now, that's Kuwait. What about, uh, we'll get to France last. Yeah. So the other one was in Tunisia. Tunisia, that's right. Okay. That's in the... 
coastal resort city of Sousse, there at least 27 people, many of them European tourists, mm. are dead after two gunmen attacked two different hotels, pretty much one next to the other, on the beach there in the, uh, in the resort city. 27 people dead, scores others wounded. We're getting reports of people who locked themselves in their rooms and then locked themselves in their bathrooms to try to, right. to keep the gunmen away. Uh, does this echo the Mumbai attack from a few years ago where you had the uh, Islamists from Pakistan hit the beaches there? Something Close to like that, that, but I'll tell you uh, what they're saying now from Tunis, the capital of mm-hmm. Tunisia, is that the uh, security forces were on the ready. And ah. they were so on the ready that they actually killed one of the two gunmen who carried out these attacks. Okay, so that's uh, Tunisia, 27 dead as of right now, number likely to rise. Now let's go to France, and that's got people's attention, not just because it's Europe, but because of the grisly nature of this attack. And because the target of this attack is an American-owned company called Air Products near uh, Lyon in the uh, Assise uh, province of France. And so what happened, Pete? And so apparently these attackers, two of them, uh, nailed the head of uh, a decapitated body onto the fence uh, with some Arabic uh, sayings and then drove a vehicle into this gas, uh, natural gas plant where they actually bottle the natural gas. They drove through the gate, hit a wall of these tanks, and blew up uh, a, a huge explosion. We know that one of the attackers has been arrested. The other attacker may still be on the run. I know that there have been there was a photo that was out on the interwebs that turns out not to be the attacker. We don't kn- do we know the identity of the attacker? French police confirmed? say they do know who this person but is. But we haven't been told. But we don't know. Right, exactly. Um the uh in, back to that so, so they attacked this factory it's owned by an American. I thought it was interesting that the president of the actual company is a Shia Iranian uh, uh, according That's to right. the f- reports in France. Mm-hmm. And also that it may be the case that the guy they killed, they killed off-site and then brought the body and the head. Is it, that? It's very early in the okay. investigation, but that does appear to be the case. So that's that's what they're talking that's about. That's right. Um, 21,000 employees at the uh, factory. And my understanding is that the fact that it occurred near Lyon is not that much of a surprise to the No, French. not at all, because there is, as you know, France has the largest population of uh, Muslims in all of Europe. Mm-hmm. And so, no, it's not at all a surprise. And I'll point out one more thing. Uh, you, you said that the uh, owner of the, or the president of the plant right. is a Sunni Muslim. Uh, I mean, do, Shia. 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 Well, that, that would indicate, again, the possibility of an IS-related attack because, sure. uh, again, in Kuwait City, you had a Sunni attack mm-hmm. on a Shia uh, mosque. And now you have this attack against a Shia-run uh, company. Right. And uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is that a number of Europeans have gone to fight with ISIS. Mm-hmm. This is a, obviously a, a, some Americans have too, That's but right. far more numbers. And one of the hottest areas for ISIS recruits in Europe is the Lyon region is in Lyon. France. That's right. So you could have somebody trying to work with them. The head was believed to have Arabic writing on it. I have not seen a report of what the writing said. I haven't either. No. And it was hung basically on the fence, nailed to the fence. This is so horrible. And, and was the flag, the ISIS flag, just simply there? Or did ISIS, one reporter saw said that they actually put the flag up above the factory? I don't know how many factories have a flagpole. Or other reports said no, the flag was near the the dead body. Right. My understanding was, you know, the head was found on the gate leading into the factory. Right. My understanding is the flag was also on the gate. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Pete Combs from the newsroom. Thanks so much for updating us on the breaking news here at News Radio one zero six seven eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven is. The phone number, you can also email me, michael at michaelgram.com. So the question is, uh, what what do we do with that information? And for those of you, I, I, I made this comparison yesterday, and a bunch of supporters of continuing to fly the Confederate flag 
in places of governmental prominence, many of you got upset with me because I was saying, when you say there's no connection between the Confederate flag and racism, you sound just as dopey as people who say there's no connection between Islam and violence. There's no connection between Islam and terrorism. You sound just as dumb. Well, today, let's flip that around. (laughs) Those of you who are watching the news, three terror attacks in one morning, more terrorism by Muslims in one day than white supremacists have committed in the United States in at least a decade. And you're telling me, Michael, Islam has, this has nothing to do with their religion. This has nothing to do with the teachings of the Quran. Nothing to do whatsoever. Well, you sound just as dumb as the Confederistas saying there's no connection between the Confederate flag and the uh, racism. The question for me is, why is it we have a completely different conversation when uh, Dylan Roof, who went to high school not far from where I grew up in South Carolina, and, you know, he went on, on the web and found websites where they still sell the old uh, Rhode- flag of the racist country of Rhodesia and flag of the white supremacist country of South Africa during apartheid. And so he gets his little packet, you know, his jacket, and he puts his little flags on it, and he burns the American flag, and he waves the Confederate flag, and then he goes and commits a horrific terrorist act, killing nine of my fellow Americans and my fellow South Carolinians, now that you mention it. But that, con- that singular incident inspires a conversation, look at America. Look at the problem of widespread racism in America. Look at the institutional racism of America. And yet, the hundreds of terror attacks in the name of Islam leave the media going, gee, why why is this happening? I don't see any. If only we knew what their motive was. Why the two different conversations? To me, there's the, the most obvious answer, the one that jumps out at me, is because the people in the media who are covering these stories, hate America or have a very poor opinion of the people of America. They want to believe that they live in a horrifying racist America. And so that narrative feeds them. It makes them happy, which think about what that says about you. If you want to believe that you live in a horrible racist America, that says something about you. It doesn't say anything about America. It says something about you. At the same time, these people want to believe that Islam is way cool and totally awesome, and they want to believe that the only people evil enough to see a problem inside Islam are people like Michael Graham, who are part of horrible, awful America. It's the worldview they want. So if you honestly take the position of CNN that what happened in Charleston proves something profound about America, but what happened in Tunisia, Kuwait, in in France this morning says nothing about Islam. Could you just explain to me how you put those two together? 844-404-1067. I am Michael Graham. Good morning. It's 935. I am Michael Graham. Braves fans all season long when the Braves score five or more runs. You score at Express Oil Change and Service Center with dollars off their full-service oil change. We're not going to talk about what happened with the Nats. Forget that. Just focus this weekend. Listen to the Braves on uh, News Radio 106.7. And then Monday, find out how much you can save because I'm sure the Braves will turn it around. The phone number is 844-404-1067. If you honestly believe... Uh, as the Obama administration says, there is no connection between Islam 
and the many, 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 many terrorist attacks committed in the name of Islam from the Boston bombing to now today, this just this morning, Kuwait, um, uh, uh, Tunisia, and France. My number is 844-404-1067. Can you tell me how you believe that? Because I'm confused. If you believe that there is no connection between the Confederate battle flag that waved that waved over the racist uh, rallies and racist events of the KKK, of segregationists, of uh, uh, you know uh, people trying to stop schools from integrating, people trying to keep Jim Crow in place. If you don't see the connection, that also confuses me. At eight four 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 zero four one zero six seven, I'd be glad to listen to your explanation. But the people who completely confuse me are the people who say. President Obama is going to a funeral today in Charleston because that lone attack by that lone terrorist proves that America is, in fact, a racist nation, or at least white America is full of racists. But the terrorist attacks that occurred the day the president showed up in three different countries have no connection to Islam. That's the part that I am completely thrown off by. It can't be both. It can't be simultaneously the same thing. Here's what I know for a fact. I know for a fact that uh, America does not have a problem with white supremacist violence because there is so little of it. I know that for a fact. But I know, And I also know for a fact that Islam as a religion has a problem with terrorism because there is so much of it. Am I missing something? 844 844- Four zero four one zero six seven. Let's go to Brenna. Brenna, you're on with Michael Graham. Thank you so much for the call. Hi, Michael. You know what? I'm, I'm listening to you talk, and I have to say this: I'm a black woman, and black people are racist too. I, I, I get tired of uh, you know that bandwagon where white black people are always talking about white people are racist. Black people are racist too. Okay. The problem that I have with you comparing what's happened in France to what happened in um, South Carolina mm-hmm. is that, golly, the crime here is not, it's not as heinous as what's going on in those countries, okay? And and here's, I feel passionate about this. If we had, if somebody was flying a Nazi flag, it would be, there would be hell to pay, okay? Well, I don't think that the Confederate flag should be taken down because it's part of history. I do believe that there should be some change. This one guy decided to go and commit a crime and kill, I'm just going to call them nine people, okay? That's the well, kind of... What else would you uh, call them? They, they were nine people. I don't understand. Well, Nine black people. I'm trying to get away from that. You well, know you what can't. I'm but wait. But but then you're not telling the truth okay. because they died specifically because they were black. There were plenty know, of other churches in Charleston having b- b- having ba- Bible Bible studies on Wednesday night. He chose the one right. that was black. Okay, but see, you're trying to compare the the um, the um, the crimes, though. To me, they're not the same. They're not the same. Bernard, let me try again because maybe I'm not making this clear enough. I'm trying to compare the reaction to this terrorism. How many times have you heard people, and we've invited experts and imams 
and uh, Muslims on the show. And you've heard them many times say, Michael, there is no connection between Islam and terror. And you keep pointing at all the terrorists. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No matter how many attacks there are, it doesn't matter. President, Ob- How many times has President Obama said, Islam is religion of peace? No, no, no act committed by ISIS has anything to do with terror. President Bush used to say the same idiotic thing. Islam is, is, Islam is religion, a strategy in peace. So the media reaction to massive terror, including the terror today, is to disconnect it from the ideology that's behind it. There is no connection. On the other hand, those same reporters on the same CNN, CNN right now, headline, severed head displayed in French terrorist attack, nothing to do with Islam. That same CNN reporter. Doesn't that attack in Charleston prove that America really is the U.S. of KKKA? Doesn't it prove that we said that? Doesn't that one small event prove? No, it proves the opposite. Here is the difference, the glaring difference. Right now, millions of Muslims around the world tell pollsters that they support killing in the name of their faith. Millions. In fact, actually, to be technical about it, hundreds of millions of Muslims around the world say, oh, you're killing Jews? Way to go. Woohoo! That's poll. That's not opinion. That's poll. Can you find a hundred Americans who support what um, what uh, Dylan Roof did? A hundred? Maybe. I mean, maybe you could find a hundred Aryan Nations guy. Maybe out of three hundred twenty million people, you might find a thousand point zero 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 three percent. That's the difference. The when you want to talk about the, tra- the the horrible loss of life and the most recent attack from Islam, you're talking about something that happened two hours ago. Before that, an hour before. And before that, an hour before that. When President Obama wanted to talk about the most recent white supremacist mass killing in the United States, he had to go back 52 years to the church bombing in Montgomery, in Birmingham, Alabama. America is not a racist country. America is not a nation full of haters. But you cannot say the same about the current state of Islam. You can say a majority of people don't support terror. Of course you can. But it is a real problem in Islam. It is a fake, made-up media problem in America. And that's the natural truth. Michael Graham now. And the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. It's 9.50. Uh, yeah. Michael Graham, welcome to the show. So glad that you are here. So why do most Americans go to college? Is it because they want to become intellectuals and understand the writings of Proust? Or is it to learn to chase girls, drink beer, and smoke cheap pot? Mmm, beer. I think uh, Homer Simpson is right about that. But the brilliant and lovely Nathalie Pozo from News Radio 1067 and Fox News points out that there is a change in the law when it comes to booze and college kids. Nathalie, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Yes, you're absolutely right. So in just a few days, effective July 1st statewide, Under this new law, officers will no longer arrest students for underage alcohol possession, consumption, or purchase. Instead, these underage drinkers, these students, will receive a ticket. Now, 
the penalties will remain the same, a $300 fine and up to six months in jail. But that's a major change for a place like Athens, Clark County, where you have the University of Georgia. I was there to get reaction from students and parents on this new law. And I have to tell you, Michael, there were definitely mixed emotions on this one. Some feel that the law is more lenient about underage drinking, while some other students who were all over the age of 21 told me it gives teenagers who maybe didn't see the consequences of their actions as a freshman or sophomore Mm -hmm. a second chance in not having that record, you know, that arrest follow them as they graduate and, you know, try to find their first job. But Natalie Pozo, just to be clear, they still have the same misdemeanor on their record. They just got a ticket for it, right? Well, it all depends. So once it goes into court, all of that can change. Um, It all depends on the judge and what the judge decides to do. Um, You know, if they're a first-time offender, I spoke with the Clark County Solicitor General yesterday, and he tells me that, you know, there's usually no jail time, and if they do community service and pay a fine, it kind of all goes away, you know. And also, I spoke with some law enforcement agencies who told me that underage drinking cases typically come with a secondary charge, like DUI or, you know, you have neighbors complaining about loud noise next door, they go to check it out, and then they realize that it's underage drinking. So this is not something that, you know, cops are kind of looking and seeing as the guy walking down the street or, you know, the guy sitting on the bench, let's say, with beer in his hand is underage, and then, you know, they're going to arrest them. Uh, That's a great, thanks for adding that uh, to it. Now, let me ask you, Natalie, how many people you talked to uh, in the Athens area pointed out how stupid it is that you have to be 21 to drink in the first place, that it's ridiculous to say to adults, you can't have a beer. Did anyone make that argument? No one made that argument, but I will say I spoke with a mother who has uh, twins, who uh, one of them went to the University of Georgia. Her 24-year-old daughter is now um, a a graduate student there, Mm -hmm. and she made a very good point. She said that with this new law, Parents may not find out if their kids get in trouble because right. now they're no longer going to be getting that phone call saying, hey, I'm in jail. You have to come bail me out. <laughs> and that, and so that and so she said that like she said that like that's a bad thing, right? <laughs> she did. She said it like, you know, she just wants to know if her child is involved in that. But at well, the end of the day, you know, it's all about the kids safety. Well, right? Nath- Natalie Posa, we have that audio from your report right here. This mother knows what it is to have children in college. She's concerned under the new law, parents may not find out if their child is in trouble. The kids are probably going to like it. I suspect it's going to leave a little door open that they might get in a little bit of trouble, but they're not necessarily going to have to call home. Which is how it's supposed to work, Natalie. When I was uh, in uh, college and drinking, it was none of my parents' business that I was drinking. I was an adult. I was a grown-ass well, man. I mean, what difference does it make to my parents? I mean, obviously, my parents wouldn't like it, but I'm not a kid. You're, these people are 18, 19, and 20 years old. They're not kids. They are adults. Right. And one one student that I spoke to, she's a senior now. You know, she was telling me that it, it's no secret that underage drinking goes on, you know, in, in that town, in Athens. And she said that some people do it safe and other people don't do it safely, you know. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're underage or, you know, of age. It's about doing it responsibly. One last question for you, Natalie Pozo. What are you wearing? No, I'm sorry. I'm just totally kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brandon told me to ask you that. Um, Serious question. So when you were a youthful indiscreeter and you were youthfully beveraging, what was the disgusting kid alcoholic beverage that you partook of? 
You know, Michael, I had a feeling you were going to go there. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to go there. And I was actually talking in the Fox 5 newsroom. We had this discussion yesterday. I can honestly, I grew up in a very strict home Mm -hmm. with very strict parents. And I can honestly say that I did not have my first drink until I was of age. Really? Incredible. Now, what did you start drinking when you first started? Uh, wine. Wine? Okay. That's far too re- responsible, Natalie. It's a real... <laughs> I just have this fantasy of you, you know, barfing into a trash barrel at a PJ party, you know, with the, one of your friends holding your hair. And I was totally oh, wrong about that. Michael, can I add one more thing before we go? Oh, please I, I know a lot of people were just wondering, you know, why this legislation was introduced and ultimately passed. Mm-hmm. And I did reach out to some of the sponsors of the Senate bill, but I didn't hear back. However, I did reach out to some law enforcement agencies in Metro Atlanta. And one of those agencies told me that they actually have an ordinance. It's uh, DeKalb County Police. They have an ordinance where they already issue citations to underage drinkers because they don't want to put someone for right. an underage drinking offense. Who And I should say not juveniles. We're talking 18, 19, and 20-year-olds in jail with people who have allegedly or committed more serious crimes like murder. So DeKalb County already has that ordinance in place. Natalie Pozo, outstanding work as always for News Radio 106.7 and Fox 5. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Michael. Have a good day. Thank you so much. So you heard Natalie lying about her drinking because she won't admit what she did, which I don't know. She's a responsible member of mainstream journalism. She can't tell you the truth. That's why we... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's why we set up the confession hotline today. Eight, uh, 404-436-2007. For those of you who drank stuff in your youth that you would never, ever drink today. For those of you who either out of poverty or naivete or cluelessness drank incredibly embarrassing drinks. Maybe they were chick drinks. Maybe they were awful, whatever. You can call the confession hotline at 404-436-2007 and confess the drink of your indiscreet youth, your youthful indiscretion beverage of choice, 404-436-2007. That'll be the confession hotline. You'll hear it around 1145 today. So much talk, so little time. I'm Michael Graham. Five on News Radio 106.7. I am Michael Graham. Welcome to Atlanta's largest diner table, where we all get together and talk about what's going on in the world at 844-404-1067. The Supreme Court says that uh, same-sex couples have a constitutional right to be married, whether their fellow citizens like it or not. The uh, ability for a same-sex couple to get married is uh, found in the Constitution. The Supreme Court has ruled five to four. And therefore, not only do same-sex couples have the right to be married in Massachusetts, and uh, well, I was going to say in Massachusetts where the voters chose to let them. That was the wrong state. In California, no, sorry, the voters didn't allow them to get married there either. Only one state has had a vote to let, by the citizens to let same-sex marriage uh, be defined as a marriage. And so that's uh, that debate is now over. The people of Georgia and Alabama and New Jersey and Wyoming and everywhere else in these great 50 states have lost the right to decide 
what is and isn't a marriage. That's what happened. I know, I know, I know. The headline is Supreme Court rules 5-4 in favor of same-sex marriage. No, what the Supreme Court ruled 5-4 of is uh, in favor of stopping citizens from using their civil rights to decide what a marriage is. And that is the, uh, the story. That is the most important thing that happened in this vote today by the Supreme Court or that was announced by the Supreme Court today. That's the important part. Let me, uh, so now, now that I've given you the natural truth, that this is a huge, one of the greatest assaults on civil rights in the history of the United States by stripping every citizen of the right to vote on how to run their own country, let's back up. America, Georgia, my fellow Oral Roberts University grads, my evangelical mom and dad over in Lexington County, South Carolina, love you all. The same-sex marriage debate was already over. What was already happening was that all over the country, attitudes about same-sex marriage were changing. And the people of the United States, state by state, were choosing to say, you know what? I've changed my mind, you know, whatever. I know I work with a guy who's gay and he and his uh, partner are great people. And so I've changed my mind. Or, you know what? I just don't want to say to my neighbors that they can't get married. Or, you know what? I love modern family. By the way, that's where this goes to. This is the modern family Supreme Court ruling. Modern family, probably the best comedy on TV right now. Uh, Changed, started, you know, helped change people's opinions. And so America was changing. And so what was happening was the right thing, which was states were going to, over the course of this next decade, all change their laws because the citizens were were changing their minds. And that's how it's supposed to work. The people of Georgia have a conversation. Right now, aren't we limit marriage to a man and a woman? Is that the right thing to do? And right now in Georgia, the answer would be, yeah, that's the right thing to do. But it's a close call. The polls are changing. And five years from now, someone else will say, do we still feel that same way? And I predict that five, ten years from now, the people of Georgia would have said, no, you know what? We've changed our mind. We want, we want to redefine marriage. We have changed how we feel about either homosexuality or same-sex relationships or what a marriage should be or whatever, all kinds of different. And so the people would vote to change. That's what is supposed to happen. It's this thing called a democracy. Now, I know that democracy is no, you know, it's, it's no longer popular. I know that particularly at the White House, they think very little of it. There are people on the left, the MSNBC crowd, they think very little of it. They have no interest in democracy. But I'm a big believer. I believe in two things, the rule of law and the consent of the governed. That's the phrase, the big uh, Jefferson Hamiltonian phrase, consent of the governed. Why is America's government better than the old British monarchy, because it didn't matter how the people of Britain felt. The king was the king, period. We thought that sucked, right? The king could decide inst- anytime. Marriage shall be a man and a woman. A marriage shall be two men. A marriage shall be whatever. You know, that, that, we, I thought we hated that. No, 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 Michael. We want democracy. America's about the people decide. Well, the Supreme Court announced today, bleep you people, we've decided, five of us have decided what the law regarding marriage shall be. Not what the law of marriage should be. I have no problem if in the opinion of the Supreme Court, they think that people, it should be okay for same-sex couples to be married. I have no problem with that. They feel that way. It's great. I have no problem with how anybody feels about it. 
The difference is from a feeling of the king to now the edict of the king. And that's why this ruling, I don't care how you feel about same-sex marriage, and I'll get to my feelings about that in just a second. You should hate this. You should hate what the Supreme Court just said to America. You don't get to decide. But Michael, Michael, civil rights shouldn't come up for a vote. No civil rights should ever come up for a vote. Really? Name one that hasn't. How did Americans get the civil right to free speech? We voted on it. We had a constitution. We didn't vote the same way. You know, back in 1787, we didn't have popular elections. You know, we had, you know, but we, 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 vote, we, our democratic process, our elected representatives voted on. That's how. How did we get, uh, how did we end slavery? White and white Americans, mostly, and some black Americans, fought for it. And then through the democratic process, we amended our constitution and we ended slavery. The people voted for it. How did the Civil Rights Acts of the 1960s become law? Did the Supreme Court rule? You shall, no. Civil rights became civil rights because people voted on them. We passed the Voting Rights Act. We passed the Civil Rights Acts. We changed. People voted in a different way. Democracy, the right, how did women get the right to vote? The right to vote was passed by entirely by men because by definition women couldn't vote on their right to vote every civil right that americans have came because their fellow americans agreed to it that's what makes america fantastic as we do this together there are now two exceptions there used to be one there are now two the two exceptions were with today same-sex marriage you no longer have the right to decide what is you you don't get to vote Your vote doesn't count. Democracy has been thrown overboard. No democracy here. The other one, abortion. Same thing. The American people were working through their feelings on abortion. How do we feel about it? Should there be restrictions, whatever? Laws were changing state by state, and the Supreme Court stepped up and said, screw your democracy. We have discovered somewhere in the Constitution, never existed before, the right to an abortion. Same thing here. After hundreds of years of The democratic system being every state decides what's a marriage. Can cousins get married? It depends on the state. Do you have to be 16 and have your parents' permission? Depends on the state. Do you have to have a blood test? Depends on the state. Blah, 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 blah. All of that democracy, all of that self-government, all of those civil rights were now just gutted the same way that all of the old rights about what medical procedures are you going to allow? What doctor's practices will you have? Well, we're going to vote. And our legislators will pass laws and then we'll live by those laws. It's called democracy. Just like Roe v. Wade. Once again, the issue isn't abortion. We can be extremely pro-life, extremely poor choice. It sucked that the Supreme Court stepped in and said, no more democracy for you. And they just did it again. And that is the horrific part of this ruling. 844-404-1067 is my phone number. The Supreme Court just ruled that the people of Georgia shall legally, through our governmental system, recognize same-sex marriages, even though a majority of the people of Georgia oppose changing the definition. Did the Supreme Court do the right thing by ordering the people of Georgia to change their laws with no right to vote? Yes or no? 844-404-1067. Is this a good day for America, a bad day for America, a good day for Georgia, a bad day for Georgia? You tell me. 
I'm Michael Graham. It just happened a five to four vote. Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at noon on News Radio 1067. Good morning, it's 1020. Oh, yeah. Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show. A sincere congratulations to all of you who are in same-sex relationships who wanted to get married here in Georgia. You'll now be able to. And I hope you're happy. The goal is happiness, and that's what I believe in. Uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, so I've been accused of being a libertarian because of that. I don't, that's, I'm not a libertarian because I don't smoke pot. Um, but I guess I would be a conservatarian. And as a conservatarian, I say congratulations I want you to be happy. And as an American, I also say, boy, does it suck to have civil rights undermined and destroyed like this. The premise of the Supreme Court is that the people of America don't have the right to regulate something that we've regulated for forever. For as long as they've been in America, states decided what kind of marriage laws they would have. And we would vote on these things. And that's the the only civil right that's at play here. Because there is no civil right to marriage, to a legal marriage. That civil right, well, I mean, I say it doesn't exist. I mean, uh, the court just pulled it out of its butt. Just like they pulled the uh, exchange by the state suddenly means exchange by the state or the federal government. They just pulled that out of their butt, too. And they admitted it, by the way. They said, oh, yeah, you're right. That's what the words say. But we that, that would be bad, so we're just going to pretend it's something. So uh, there is no civil right to marriage, but now there is. And so while I'm happy for the people of Georgia, the relatively small number of people, Georgia, who wanted to be married and are now going to be married. And I seriously, uh, Mazel Tov and good luck and bon voyage and getting jiggy with it. And that's great. What a terrible, terrible price. Why not? Continue the conversation that you were already winning. Why not have your fellow Americans approve via votes, either direct ones, you know, referendums or through their uh, legislature, so that when you show up at a courthouse and say, I want this, because that's what it, that's the that's the issue. The issue is not marriage. Anyone can marry anybody. You want to go be married? You want to go out? Yeah, absolutely. Go be married. Go out, wave palm fronds over your head and. You know, dance around in the moonlight. Any you can get married, any religious ceremony, you go be married. It's completely legal, legal to call yourself married, to live in a house together as married, to you know, hook up however you choose as married. You're, always, you're absolutely free to do that already. That was, that was not the issue. The issue was you showed up at the courthouse and you said, hello, Georgia. Hello, Fulton County. Hello, Gwinnett County. I want you to say that I'm married. And the people of Georgia said, oh. I don't think so. We think for all sorts of reasons, some religious, some sociological, et cetera, that we don't want to say that you're married. You can be, you can do what you want, hook up however you want. No, no sodomy laws. You go right ahead. And the, uh, and the same set couple in this courthouse saying, no, you have to say that I'm married. You have to. Why do I have to say that? I don't have to say that. I'm a free person. I'm a, I'm a citizen. I have a right. I have an opinion. I have a law. I have a, a legislator. The Supreme Court stepped in and said, and they wrapped their arms around the 10 million people of Georgia and said, uh, actually, they're right. I'm going to make you say that they are married. I'm going to make you say that under your belief system as expressed by your government, that they are married. And that's why 
this sucks. I mean, it truly, truly sucks. And you know what happened after the abortion ruling? Because the Supreme Court stepped in and said, ah, forget your whole voting stuff. We're gonna... What happened? We've had, what, 40 years of nonstop tension and debate. It's been a divisive issue. That's what the Supreme Court just did. By forcing people to recognize something that disagrees with the fundamental premise of their life, you've now created division and anger uh, where it didn't need to be. And that's, no, that's going to be a legacy of this, is there's going to be division and anger. Not a lot because opinions were already changing and the tide was already going. But look at what's happened with the issue of abortion. America is more pro-life today than they were 20, 25 years ago. More Americans want restrictions on abortion because more Americans see that it involves taking a human life, et cetera. And so positions have changed. But doesn't that democracy part doesn't matter. doesn't matter now that how your positions have changed because you lost that right. The Supreme Court ruled today that you don't have the right to vote on what a marriage is. So what is the obvious? Who Who is already filing paperwork at the courthouse right now? The cast from that show on um, on TLC, my wife watches the multi-marriage, many marriage. What are they? Fat, the, the, the guy with the four fat chicks. I don't forget that. Marriage, happy. Uh, I don't know. A big house. No, but it's not. Whatever that is. Multi-love. There's some uh, show on TLC. It's a real family. It's a guy and four. I think it's four wives. It might be up to five now. And they live out west, Utah, whatever. And they're going to show up and they're going to look at the court and they're going to say, so you're saying that the the people who live in my state don't have the right to decide what a marriage is? That's right. They don't. You mean I can get the court to just say that I'm married, whether my fellow Americans agree or not? That's right. And so you're going to have polygamous marriages. They will have to be. They'll have to be. What is what? What can you possibly say? You used to be able to say, well, wait a minute. There's sociological costs to redefining marriage. Changing how children are raised uh, is, you know, has an issue. Changing the structure that has evolved among human beings over tens of thousands of years is a risky thing. It might not be healthy for children to be raised with one father and seven mothers. That might not be healthy. It might not be healthy for a child to be raised by two dads or two moms. We don't know yet because there's so little social science on it because it's happened so rarely. But all those conversations are over. The big winner today... Gay marriage wasn't the big win. Gay marriage was already happening. It was already coming. It was already, people had already, it was already changing. All this did was move the date of the first gay marriage in Georgia from 2020 to 2015. That's all it did. The real winners, polygamists. How, how would you, how dare you decide that their love isn't legit? How dare you decide that they can't get married? How, what, what's your basis? What's your, and it's, by the way, it's already started. It's already in the pipeline. So here's the deal. We're going to open up the phones in the uh, for the rest of the hour uh, straight to you at 844-404-1067. We're going to get the traffic, the weather, the latest uh, uh, on this ruling. But it's 5-4 the, uh, that the states have lost the right to regulate marriage. You have the right to be married if you're in a same-sex relationship. That's the news. That's the natural truth.
Good morning, it's 1036. I am Michael Graham. Welcome to the show. The phone number is 844-404-1067. We had another show planned, but breaking news has happened. The court has ruled 5-4 to four that the right to marriage is a constitutional right, is a civil right that the 14th Amendment requires states to issue marriage licenses to all same-sex couples. Uh, four justices dissented. Scalia, no surprise. Thomas, no surprise. Alito, no surprise. And Roberts also dissented. So it was the four liberals, Sotomayor, uh, Ginsburg, Stevens, um, uh, not Stevens, um, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head and I'm, I'm skipping ones. And then Kennedy was the fifth. Uh, Kagan, Elena Kagan and, and Kennedy gave them their fifth. And, and, and so this is your chance to talk about it at 844-404-1067. And a couple different questions. Number one, is this good for America that this happened? Is it a good thing for America? Does it make America a better or worse place that same-sex couples can get married? And then the second question, is this good for America that it happened this way? Given that it was going to happen anyway, given that the state of Georgia and every other state was going to eventually say, yeah, we're changing the definition of marriage because the people want to change the definition of marriage. Is it good that it happened this way, that the courts have ordered you to recognize your neighbor's marriage? 844-404-1067. Um, I'd love to hear from you. And this is your chance to speak out right here in Atlanta's Atlanta's largest diner table. The opinion authored by Judge Kennedy lays out four arguments why the right to same-sex marriage is guaranteed under the Constitution. Quote, first, the right to personal choice regarding marriage is inherent in the concept of individual autonomy. So, in other words, it has to do with you being, you know, right, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, an individual person. Second, the right to marry is fundamental because it supports a two-person union unlike any other. In other words, there's, no matter how you do civil arrangements, civil agreements, whatever, that there's something unique in America about a marriage, and therefore you, you can't, there aren't other ways to accommodate people who want to live together. Number three, the right to marry safeguards children and families and thus draws meaning from related rights of child, rear, rear, child rearing, procreation, and education. There's a civil right to hook up and make babies. There's a civil right to raise your kids as you want. Therefore, there's a civil right to get married so you can do all those things. And the number four, the right is crucial because, quote, this court's cases and the nation's traditions make clear that marriage is a keystone of the nation's social order. So all of you single people out there, you are, you are second-class citizens because in America, we treat marriage as special and we run our government in, by, in favor of marriage, a keystone of society. 844-404-1067 is the phone number. You can also follow me on Twitter, I am M. Graham, or email me, michael at michaelgram.com. There's a lot of analysis already popping up saying this you know, ruling already contradicts previous rulings. Uh, the court has had to flip-flop to do this. The court's argument makes no sense. Look, that's irrelevant. We've, we're, we've, been, we've moved beyond the court making sense. Uh, this is not new. And uh, the, the, the question to me is what really matters is, is this good or bad for my country? Is this good or bad for the people who live in my country? And on the one hand, when my fellow citizens get to be happy, that's a good thing. And so if it makes you happy to be in a same-sex marriage, that's 
I, I'm, I'm glad for you that you get what you want. I really am. I really am. What's bad for my country is when the rest of the country, the other 98% of Americans who aren't gay, lose their rights when it comes to casting basic ballots. And I got a tweet from a listener who says, when did the government ever vote for you and your wife to get married? When did they have that vote? Which I thought was ridiculous. They had the vote when they passed the law about what marriage is. That's how marriage laws work. Every state has a little bit different marriage laws. When When my wife and I got married in Massachusetts, we followed under the Massachusetts law about getting married and having to do blood tests and, you know, are you a cousin and yada, yada, yada. That's when they voted. And the people voted and marriage laws have changed. Ages of consent has changed. You know, uh, uh, what's the definition of inbreeding? Intermarriage has changed. You know, what comes out has changed, have changed. And that's when they voted. And they may have voted the wrong thing. Maybe they shouldn't have let my wife and I get married. But the law was there because my neighbors voted for it. And so when I showed up at an event and asked for some benefit as a married couple, when I showed up at an event and asked for some special you know, treatment as a married couple, my neighbor said, sure, you followed our rules and got married the way we, you know, we voted for you to get married, so you get benefits. And then if someone shows up and says, hi, I'm Phil, here's my wife Tina and my other wife Sabrina and mother, my other wife Lena, my neighbor said, no, we don't recognize that as a marriage. We didn't change, so you don't get the benefit. That's over. That's absolutely over. So that's why I say the big winners today, not same-sex couples. You know you are going to be able to get married anyway in the near future. The big winner, polygamous uh, groups. You shall now be able to have your multiple marriage, and no one will be able to make an argument as to why not, because you have an inherent constitutional right to be married. Rhoda, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Thanks for the call. Hi. Thanks. Glad to. Go right ahead. Uh, yes, I'm um, concerned about our tax revenue. How is it going to uh, change the amount of, of taxes that are collected when now millions millions of Americans are going to be filing married or head of household and um, and not single? Because us single folks pay a lot more taxes and... You know, it's going to be. I think it's going to have a big impact that no one is, no one is talking about. Um, there's going to be a lot less money coming well, in. But it's not going to be a lot less because there are very the population of uh, of uh, gay Americans is relatively small. It's about two percent of the population that are gay, ballpark figure. And uh, out of that population, how many want to get married? How many want to live as married couples? Relatively small, and so. You're going to be talking about a small percentage. It's, 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 this has never been a big deal from the outcome side. This has always been a much bigger deal, in my opinion, from the process side. Do people have the right to vote? So, so now, in Georgia, you're going to have same-sex couples with the legal right to get married. And they're going to be able to tell their fellow citizens in Paulding County or Clayton County, F you, you have to marry me. And their sisters are going to be, well, okay, the court says so. Oh, and by the way, you got to bake me a cake. Well, I don't want to bake you. Ah! Sorry! You have to. But what about my civil rights to my personal religious beliefs in the First Amendment? What about my civil rights as a property owner? What about my civil rights? Sorry! Shut up! Bake me a cake. Take my picture. 
So I mean, that's and once again, this is going to involve a small number of people because only about two percent of the population is gay. So it's not going to be that big of a deal. But what a tremendous blow against the principle. Once the Supreme Court can decide what, look, we've just decided it ought to be in the Constitution that you can get married. Well, what else will the Supreme Court decide ought to be? 844-404-1067. Is this a good day for America or a bad day for America? Michael Graham now and the Kimmer at Noon on News Radio 1067. In a landmark decision, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that states cannot ban same-sex marriages. A historic day here at the Supreme Court. Justice Kennedy saying that the right to marriage is a fundamental right and gays and lesbians cannot be excluded from that right. He says the right to marry is a fundamental right and same-sex couples may not be deprived of liberty or that right to marriage. Good morning, it's 1052. Ah, yeah, Michael Graham, and that is this court's ruling 5-4. States may no longer define marriage excluding uh, same-sex couples, and there is a fundamental right to be married. And so that's why I'm saying the big winner will be the polygamist relationships because uh, polls show there's not a lot of support to change marriage to redefine to accommodate them. But what difference does it make what polls show? What difference does it make what you think? What difference does it make what I think? We've lost the right to vote on this, however you would have voted. And that's my main point here at 844-404-1067. The question isn't how do you feel about what should or shouldn't be the law because it doesn't matter anymore. You don't get to decide what the law is, and that's far more dangerous than anything else that happened today. Steve, you're on the air. Thanks for the call. Go right ahead. What's up, Michael? Nope, not this way, man. Bad, bad precedent. Mm-hmm. I um, and, and, and I'm not against gay marriage or anything. If you guys if they want to get married and be miserable, sure, go be my guest. But um, it's just it, it's just a bad precedent that's setting mm-hmm. when they take the power away from the people, which is where it's supposed to be, and they just start telling you what they think is best, and and then start putting it into law. It's just a terrible, terrible idea. Um, what's going to happen? When uh, preachers stand up in their pulpits and say that same-sex marriage is wrong, that this constitutional right is wrong, what's going to happen? They'll be called bigots. And I mean, do you think it'll end there with just being called bigots? No, they'll get people protesting. It'll be the same crap that happened out uh, west with the, the whole cake business crap. I, I think what you're going to start seeing is you're going to start pe- seeing people saying that your opposition to a civil right is a hate crime and there has to be some regulation or control of speech or limit of speech on because I mean, you look, you already see it. Uh, I was, uh, you, for, for example, there are many devout Catholics who think that, uh, uh, birth control is wrong. All they want to do is not pay for it. Well, the Obama administration has already said, sorry, you have to pay for it. But what about our fundamental religious right? Screw you. You've already seen States, that have literally uh, uh, charged people with crimes and taken away their businesses because they didn't want to participate in a same-sex marriage ceremony. Well, now that it's a constitutional right, what do you think is going to happen next? 844-404-1067. Gail, thank you so much for the call. You're on the air. You know, it's, it's like you were saying uh, earlier. It's like, who cares? Let, let people get married. Let them enjoy life. Let them be treated equal. The last uh, comment that was made about what about taxes, Mm -hmm. what about them? 
We have million, we have millions of people in this country who don't pay taxes. I mean, come on. It's just let people get married and, and live life and worry about things and, and use your voting rights to uh, worry about things that they need to be worried about and not something like this. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Gail. Thank you for the call at 844-404-1067. Deborah, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Well, hi, Michael. I just want to thank you for emphasizing today the enormity of the precedent that has been set. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for the king and his court to decide where I can live, what I can wear, what kind of career can I have, can I have children, how many? It's uh, it, Right now it is in the hands of five members of the court. That's it. It's completely up to them. And that's the scary, scary part here. Imagine a country where same-sex marriage was already legal and five judges stood up and said, we don't like it. We think it's wrong. We're going to take it away. Imagine what the reaction would be. People would be freaking out, rightfully so. Well, that's what happened. (laughs) That's what happened. Just the other way. It's not about your position. I'm very on the fence about same-sex marriage. I, I, if, if, if I were asked to vote for it for today, I would vote no today because I'm waiting for more social science on what happens to kids who, you know, having evolved as a species that, you know, reproduces heterosexually, breaking that, you know, genetic pattern that, ev- that evolved over hundreds of thousands of years is concerning. You want it, you know, I just want the best outcome for the kids. To pretend that this is going to have no impact on kids is just silly. But I'm open. I'm, you know, I don't have any I don't have a moral aversion to it. It really is just about what is the impact of society. Just like when we decided to redefine families so that single parent households became commonplace. What has been the comp, the outcome of single place single parent families becoming commonplace? All kinds of problems with drugs, crime, joblessness, crap. It is a crappy thing for society to have a bunch of kids raised by single moms because of what the outcome is. Not because the single moms are bad, but just because of the outcomes. So that's my only question. But I wasn't allowed to have that debate. That debate's over because the Supreme Court has decided you lost your civil right to vote. Congratulations, America. I am Michael Graham. following several terror attacks this morning, starting with terrorists murdered in an attack on a beachfront resort in Tunisia. Gruesome details are emerging. One man has been beheaded. Courts say an Islamist flag was found at the scene. We also have something going on in Kuwait. ISIS claiming responsibility this morning for a deadly explosion at a Shia mosque in Kuwait City. There are multiple casualties there. This is the Michael Graham Show on News Radio 1067. Why does it take 21 pages to explain what four words mean? That is almost tyrannical power. Good morning, 1107 at News Radio 1067. Uh... Yeah, Michael Graham, your host, MC, star of the show, renowned spoiler of women, known enemy of the jihad, the geekiest white guy east of the Mississippi River. And we had a show all laid out and planned for you, and it got blown up by the Supreme Court. 
and their 5-4 ruling that there is a fundamental constitutional right to be married. And because there's a constitutional right to be married, just like there's a constitutional right to speak, states are limited, just like you can't make it illegal for someone to express a stupid opinion, uh, theoretically, just like you can't make it illegal for someone to worship in a way you don't like. You don't have the right to not have laws in your state to accommodate same-sex marriages. And so this is your chance here in Atlanta to talk about it at 844-404-1067. President Obama is going to uh, speak in just a few moments. We'll carry that for you here on the Michael Graham Show. But I, uh, no doubt another gracious victory speech like the one we got yesterday. Uh, but this is your chance to speak out. I definitely want to hear from you at 844-404-1067. And um, there, I want to read to you from Justice Kennedy's, who was the uh, the uh, uh, Reagan appointee, who was the fifth in deciding vote. He joined with the uh, four liberals to pass this through the Supreme Court. And he wrote in his Supreme Court ruling, No union is more profound than marriage, for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice, and family. In forming a marital union, two people become something greater than they once were. The sum of the petitioners in these cases demonstrate marriage embodies a love that may endure even past death. It would misunderstand these men and women to say that they disrespect the idea of marriage, Judge Kennedy wrote in his ruling. Their plea is that they do respect it, respect it so deeply that they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. Their hope is not to be condemned to live a a life in loneliness, excluded from one of civilization's oldest institutions. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful sentiment. That's a, a sentiment that many people can agree with. What the hell is it doing in a court? There is no, I I feel the same way about marriage fundamentally as he does. Marriage is one of the most wonderful things. Being married to my wife is like one of the best things in my life ever. But that has nothing to do with a court. A court's ruling should be, here's the Constitution. Does it let the citizens decide what they want to be a legal marriage or not? Yes or no? And the court said, no, you've lost that right. The, the 10 million people of Georgia used to have the right to say what was going to be a marriage in Georgia. You have lost that right. 844-404-1067. Valerie, you're on the air with Michael Graham. Hi, Valerie. How are you? Hi, Michael. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's ever brought this up, but I know we've always had discussions like this at home in terms of does the government have the right to say, to say you, you should be married or give you a marriage license. I think mm-hmm. the problem stems from the fact that we're using the word marriage. And marriage right. is technically a biblical thing. It's a religious thing. Well, I don't know about think, biblical because lots of other non-biblical, you know, they have um, marriages in Islam. They have marriages in Judaism. They have marriages in Hinduism. There's lots of religions that have marriages. But it's still religious. Mm-hmm. My point right. is that it's a religious term. And I think the problem that we're having, and you brought it up when you said, does the government have the right? Mm -hmm. The point is, what if everybody, you know, was given um, the legal fundamental right to be together, Mm -hmm. to have a civil union? And then if you want to have something that's religious, well, that's your right. You can go and find 
uh, a church, you can find a synagogue, you can find, you know, a rabbi, a priest that will marry you religiously. But that's and the I whole think- point of this ruling, Valerie, is it's not about religious marriage. It's about uh, uh, legally recognized marriage because you can already have any kind of marriage. Look, two guys, five guys can live together and call themselves husband and husband right now in Georgia. But when they go to the courthouse and say, I want the legal benefits, you know, that come from that, the people of Georgia said, no, you can live in your house how you want. But when you come to the public sphere and ask us to recognize your legal marriage, your civil marriage, we, the civilians, the city, the the voters, we don't recognize that. And that so that was this whole court case was about that. What you described was already the case. That was never the issue. Kimberly's on News Radio 1067. Kimberly, thanks for the call. Go right ahead. Hi. I feel like what Valerie was trying to say originally is that marriage is defined by God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to bring it into religious, but it was defined by God as a man and a woman, period. Mm-hmm. Anytime you get outside of that, you're gonna have problems because God's not gonna mess with people messing up his plan. He has a a reason for that institute, and it's beautiful when you really find out what that is. If you choose to be gay, that's your choice, but it is not a marriage. Just like if I sat down and ate spaghetti and I wanted to call it steak, it's not. Um, For our state to start not being able to have any control, we are headed in a very seriously bad direction because next you're gonna be able to marry your dog, Now, 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 that's, Kimberly, where you lost me. I'm sorry. The dumbest argument is the marry your dog argument. The polygamy argument is a much more profound one. Here is uh, President Barack Obama, who's uh, going to be uh, addressing the nation from the White House here on on News Radio 1067. We'll bring you the, uh, the president's statement from the White House right now. Our nation was founded on a bedrock principle that we are all created equal. The project of each generation is to bridge the meaning of those founding words with the realities of changing times. A never-ending quest to ensure those words ring true for every single American. Progress on this journey often comes in small increments. Sometimes Two steps forward, one step back, propelled by the persistent effort of dedicated citizens. And then sometimes there are days like this, when that slow, steady effort is rewarded with justice that arrives like a thunderbolt. This morning, the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution guarantees marriage equality. In doing so, they've reaffirmed that all Americans are entitled to the equal protection of the law, that all people should be treated equally, regardless of who they are or who they love. This decision will end the patchwork system we currently have. It will end the uncertainty hundreds of thousands of same-sex couples face from not knowing whether their marriage, legitimate in the eyes of one state, will remain if they decide to move or even visit another. 
This ruling will strengthen all of our communities by offering to all loving same-sex couples the dignity of marriage across this great land. In my second inaugural address, I said that if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. It is gratifying to see that principle enshrined into law by this decision. This ruling is a victory for Jim Oger Ufel and the other plaintiffs in the case. It's a victory for gay and lesbian couples who have fought so long for their basic civil rights. It's a victory for their children whose families will now be recognized as equal to any other. It's a victory for the allies and friends and supporters who spent years, even decades, working and praying for change to come. And this ruling is a victory for America. This decision affirms what millions of Americans already believe in their hearts. When all Americans are treated as equal, we are all more free. My administration has been guided by that idea. It's why we stopped defending the so-called Defense of Marriage Act, and why we were pleased when the court finally struck down a central provision of that discriminatory law. It's why we ended Don't Ask, Don't Tell. From extending full marital benefits to federal employees and their spouses, to expanding hospital visitation rights for LGBT patients and their loved ones, We've made real progress in advancing equality for LGBT Americans in ways that were unimaginable not too long ago. I know change for many of our LGBT brothers and sisters must have seemed so slow for so long. But compared to so many other issues, America's shift has been so quick. I know that Americans of goodwill continue to hold a wide range of views on this issue. Opposition, in some cases, has been based on sincere and deeply held beliefs. All of us who welcome today's news should be mindful of that fact, recognize different viewpoints, revere our deep commitment to religious freedom. But today should also give us hope that on the many issues with which we grapple, often painfully, real change is possible. Shifts in hearts and minds is possible. And those who have come so far on their journey to equality have a responsibility to reach back and help others join them. Because for all our differences, we are one people stronger together than we could ever be alone. That's always been our story. We are big and vast and diverse, a nation of people with different backgrounds and beliefs, different experiences and stories, but bound by our shared ideal that no matter who you are or what you look like, how you started off, or how and who you love, 
America's a place where you can write your own destiny. We are a people who believe that every single child is entitled to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. There's so much more work to be done to extend the full promise of America to every American. But today, we can say, in no uncertain terms, that we've made our union a little more perfect. That's the consequence of a decision from the Supreme Court. But more importantly, it is a consequence of the countless small acts of courage of millions of people across decades who stood up, who came out, who talked to parents, parents who loved their children no matter what. Folks who were willing to endure bullying and taunts and stayed strong and came to believe in themselves and who they were. And slowly made an entire country realize that love is love. What an extraordinary achievement. What, what a vindication of the belief that ordinary people can do extraordinary things. What a reminder of what Bobby Kennedy once said about how small actions can be like pebbles being thrown into a still lake, ripples of hope, cascade outwards, and change the world. Those countless, often anonymous heroes, they deserve our thanks. They should be very proud. America should be very proud. Thank you. This podcast of The Michael Graham Show is brought to you by Matt Hermes. If you have a high-end home and you're looking to sell, call Matt at Keller Williams Realty. Matt Hermes specializes in luxury homes in areas like Hamilton Mill, Sugarloaf, Chateau Elan, and more. For more information, visit AtlantaHomesGuru.com forward slash radio.